Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're continuing our series called Refresh. Everyone say Refresh. The reason I felt to share this particular series is because let's be honest, we live in a world that is currently being shaken. Obviously, the pandemic is a big part of that. And uh, we can be binding and loosing the devil. And I think we need to do that in part. But I want you to know this, that all the things that are happening in the world today aren't all bad things. And the devil's not behind all of those things. He's maybe behind some of those things. But I want you to know there is a God who loves us. He loves the church and He is shaking things for His plan and for His purpose. And so I want to encourage you as a church, as we live in the midst of this shaking that is going on, to stand firm, to hold our ground, to not give up, to not give in but to stand strong at this time. And that's essentially what's at the core of this series, Refresh. We wanna touch on some things that matter most. We wanna reset, we wanna refresh and we wanna realign our priorities. Otherwise what happens is we tend to drift and we tend to settle. And as a church, we don't wanna drift away from the things of God and we don't wanna settle down in the things of God. I believe our future is bigger, brighter and better than our past. Can I get an Amen this morning? And so week one last week, we looked at living purposed, living a purpose-filled life. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says to this young man, he talked about a God who not only saved us, but also called us. I want you to know the moment you give your life over to Jesus and you become a Christian and you receive the free gift of salvation, you enter a plan and a purpose that God has for you. He saved you for a purpose. This may be a newsflash to some of you, but you were born on purpose for a purpose. If you're one of those children that grew up and you are told that you're an accident. You may not know who your biological father is. You may not know who your biological mother is. I want you to know, God knows who you are. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. And if anyone's ever spoke that over you, I wanna say that thing be off you right now in Jesus' Name. If there's been any shame attached to the fact that you felt like a mistake, in Jesus' Name, may shame come off you this morning and may you experience something of the freedom that's available to you through Christ Jesus today. All that I shared last week is online for you to listen to or watch. And I encourage you to do that and get into the hands of family members and friends so that they can enjoy the Word of God too. Which brings me to week two. Today, we're going to be looking at living a powered life. Say powered. Living a powered life. And I want to turn to one of my favourite portions of Scripture. And it's found in one of my favourite books in the Bible. And I know you probably shouldn't have a favourite, but I tend to kind of go to Ephesians again and again and again and again. I love the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul writing says this, Now to Him, I love this. This this is a game changer. Now to Him, everyone say Him and point to the ceiling. To Him, now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more above and beyond all we ask, dream, hope or imagine according to His power that is at work, get this, within us. Love this portion of Scripture. 
talks about a power that's at work in us. And I know when you read the Word of God, the best way to read it is to stop when you've read something and ask it a question. And so here's my question to you this morning, having read a portion of Scripture, and it's simply this. What is the power that's at work in you today? Paul talks about a power that was at work in him. And I want you to know there's a power at work in each and every one of us today. But what is that power? Here's a more specific question. What are you full of? Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, what are you full of? What are you full of this morning? It's a great question for us to ask ourselves in this reset season of our lives. What are you full of? Are you full this morning of faith? Are you full of love? Are you full of hope this morning? Or are you full of hurt? Are you full of bitterness? Are you full of unforgiveness? Are you full of regret this morning? Because what this portion of Scripture tells me is this, whatever you are full of is what you will get immeasurably more of. And so if you're full of regret, you're gonna get immeasurably more regret in your life. Why? Because that's what you focus on. And you always tend to get what you are focused on. Have you noticed that? When you are hurt, hurt people find hurt people. And hurt people hurt people. But people who are full of faith, people who have the Spirit of God in them, tend to bring change into their environment and into their atmosphere. And Paul was able to say, I'm able to do immeasurably more above and beyond. Why? Because there was a supernatural power at work in his life. I want you to know Paul did some amazing things, but he knew that all the amazing things he was able to do were not done in his own strength. Paul was incredibly self-aware. He was incredibly aware of where that strength came from. He wrote to the Corinthians and he said that God, because of His surpassing revelations, gave a thorn in His flesh. Now we don't know what that thorn in His flesh was. Some of the experts think it was a physical thing. I tend to lean towards it was a relational thing because I know this to be true. Nothing hurts more than people. As painful as ailments can be, there's nothing more painful than people. And Paul certainly had a lot of people pain in his life. We don't know what the thorn was. I'm not here to talk about the thorn, but we do know that Paul pleaded three times for that thorn to be removed from his life. And the answer came back to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul realised, you know what? This thing obviously is not going away. But he learned an important lesson that God's grace was far more powerful than the removal of the thorn. And he had this surpassing revelation and this great thought. And I want you to catch a hold of it. Paul says this, he realised that actually when I am weak, I'm at my strongest. Because that's when I rely on His strength and not mine. When I think I'm strong, that's when I'm at my weakest because I rely on my strength. But Paul says, when I feel weak, when I feel like I can't go on anymore, when I feel like giving up and giving in, and Paul felt like that. And I think we're in good company today. Who's ever felt like giving up? Who's ever felt like giving in? I know I have. But Paul says, actually, you know what? When I feel like that, when I feel weak, when I feel like I can't go on, I look to Him. And I find He gives me a strength that I cannot manufacture in my own humanity to God 
be the glory. You see, we spoke about purpose last week, but in order to fulfil our God-given purpose, we need God-given help. We need God-given power. And can I say that even Jesus needed help to fulfil His God-given mission. I want you to, to know this. And maybe this is a newsflash for some of you, but Jesus ministered as a Spirit-filled man while here on planet Earth. He did not minister as the Son of God. He laid down His divinity, picked up His humanity, and in His humanity, He relied upon the power of the Spirit of God at work in Him as a model of how you and I can live our lives. And so He ministered as a Spirit-filled man, not the Son of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 4. I want to read a first a few verses this morning, starting at verse 14. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about Him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised Him. I mean, that's miraculous right there. He said, He went to Nazareth where He had been brought up And I want you to get this. This is an aside note, but it's an important one nonetheless. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue and maybe underline this, as was his custom, not as he felt. Not dependent on the weather. He He went to the synagogue if the weather wasn't too hot or too cold, too wet or too dry. No, he went as was his custom. In other words, he made the decision and stuck to that decision. As was his custom, he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, which tells me he was a man who was well-versed in the Word of God. If I said to you, where is it written in the Bible? You'd go, oh, I don't know. Jesus knew where things were written in God's Word. He went to the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor and He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. If you're feeling a little bit oppressed today, you're in good company. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus returned, it says, in the power. Say power. Power Power of the Spirit. And Jesus said that the Spirit was on me to do something. In other words, the Spirit of God was on me, not just so I could play religious games, not that I could just go to church and have certain feelings, but that I could be empowered to live the life that God had purposed me to live. In other words, He was anointed to do. And it was only after this moment in Jesus' life that His public ministry began. Before that, Jesus did things in private, but His public ministry began after this moment where He returned from the desert, having been tempted and tested, and He returned in the power of the Spirit. You see, His mission was accomplished as a Spirit-filled Man, And I believe it is the same for you and I. Jesus told the disciples to go into all the world and to make disciples and to baptise people in the Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was what we know as the Great Commission. 
And it sounds exciting and it sounds wonderful and it sounds beautiful. But Jesus said, before you do that, I need you to wait. Because what I'm asking you to do, you can't do in your own strength. And I imagine that would have been tough for some of the disciples, particularly Peter. Peter was quite impulsive and perpetual, and he, he would just—he would just—he wanted action. And, and for him to have to wait, having been having been stirred up and motivated. Let's be honest. Jesus was an incredible motivational speaker. And and you imagine Jesus saying, "Hey guys, this is the mission. This is what we're going to do." I imagine in that moment, Peter and the disciples were like, "Let's go! Let's do it!" I can run through a troop. I can scale a wall. I can bend a bow of bronze and make my enemies fall. By faith I can. That was a song we used to sing straight out of Scripture. Amazing times in the early days. Amen. Older people in the room today. Anyway. But he says, before you do that, before you do that, stop, stop, stop. stop. Peter, come back. Come, come. Andrew, Andrew, come back. You need to sit. You need to wait. Because I'm not asking you to do something that's hard. I'm asking you to do something that's impossible. I want you to know that. The work of Jesus is not hard. It's impossible. Remember when the angel visited Mary and he said, you who have found favour in the eyes of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will be with child. He says, how can that be? I'm a virgin. That's impossible. He says, I know. That's the point. What God is asking us to do is impossible. He says, yeah, but what is impossible for you is possible for God. And it was the work of the Holy Spirit that impregnated Mary to achieve the impossible. Good intentions alone are not enough. It's easy to sit in a faith-filled environment like this and get stirred up and motivated and go off and want to do well. But again, the pain of people is so great at times, it can cause us to get discouraged and disheartened. And Jesus knew that. And He says, this motivation that you're feeling right now, it's not gonna last. This hyper sense of faith you feel right now, it's not gonna last. You need something more lasting than just emotion than just feelings. And I am not against emotions and I'm not against feelings. I thank God for the faith charge meetings that we have. I thank God it enhances my Christianity. I just don't rely on it. I love gathering together. I love the sense of worship this morning. I mean, I'm down the front, I'm worshipping, I'm giving up my all, I love it. But I don't always have that. And so if I rely on that, I'm not gonna be as consistent as I desire to be. And so Jesus said, I want to give you something that can sustain you and help you in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And so let's pick it up in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He went on to say this, On one occasion, while He was eating with them, He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you've heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. This is the gift that Jesus promised every follower of His, that He would send a helper, a helper. And the helper has a name. His name is Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit wants to help you achieve what we talked about last week, the purpose. We all have been born on purpose for a purpose. The trouble is we can't fulfil that purpose without help. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need help. Now turn to the other person and say, and so do I. We do. And this is not an exhaustive study of the Holy Spirit, but let me just say this, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a power. The Holy Spirit is not a experience. I thank God for my Pentecostal heritage, but I think it has some strengths and I think it has a lot of weaknesses. It has some strengths, sorry, but I think it also has a lot of weaknesses. And I'm not here to glorify a movement. I'm not here to glorify an expression. I'm here because I want more of God. Is there anyone here who wants more of God? I don't want more of the past. I want more of Him. I want more of God in my life. And whatever I need to get more, I, I wanna open myself up and surrender to Him afresh today. But this is what we do know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He's equal with God. He is God, but He has a different role than the Father. He has a different role than the Son. And God the Father and God the Son right now are seated in heaven. We know that Jesus prays and intercedes on behalf of the church on your weakest day, on your toughest day. You have the Saviour, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords praying for you. The role of the Holy Spirit is different. He's he's God with us. He's the God who indwells us. He's the God who walks with us on a daily basis. He's the God who is present. He's the God who is here and He's here for a purpose. And His purpose is to help. The Holy Spirit could quite literally wear one of our T-shirts, here to help. That's His role. He's here to help you. You know, when we're crying, I can't go on, I can't do it. I'm here and I'm here to help. He hasn't left us alone. Jesus says, it's better that I go to be the Father so that the Holy Spirit can come and help you in your weakness. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, you'll receive a supernatural ability. You'll receive a power to do what you cannot do naturally. Let me say it again. What God is asking us to do is impossible. It's not tough. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's worse than that. It's impossible. It's impossible. But with God, all things that are impossible become possible. And so again, this is not an exhaustive message about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but I wanna inspire you because we need help. And we see that the early church actually listened to Jesus and actually did what He told them to do, and that was wait. And they waited in the upper room for about 10 days. They were afraid of the Jewish community. They were afraid of the religious leaders. They were afraid of the Roman soldiers. And so they locked themselves away in the upper room. There was about 120 of them. And there they waited. One day, two days, three days. Can you imagine four days into it thinking, what are we waiting for? He wasn't very specific. Jesus Jesus is not always specific. He tells us to do something without a lot of these specifics. 
And if you've ever felt like that, you're in good company because here's the disciples that we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And we have no idea who that is, what that looks like, what to expect, what it feels like. And can you imagine on day four, has He come yet? Has He come? I don't know. Did you fall asleep? I don't know. Did, maybe we missed it. Maybe He came, saw He was asleep and left. I, can, seriously, put yourself in the Scriptures. Let's not read the Scriptures with the eyes of hindsight. Let's read the Scriptures as if we were there in the moment. I promise you, after day four, I'm getting fidgety. I'm like, come on, guys. This is this. I, 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 I'm getting fidgety and I'm probably getting a little bit bored. Is there anyone out there with ADD like myself, ADHD? I thank God I was born in an age where they didn't diagnose that. But I promise you, if I was in, ch- I was in school today, I'd probably be your worst nightmare, Katie Roberts. Uh, in school, I have ADD, ADHD. I have LMNOP. I have every letter of the alphabet. And... And I think some of the disciples did too. And, and after four days, five days, all right, guys, I'll give it one more day. Six days. Hey, you know what? We've heard number seven is a good godly number. I'm, after day seven, I'm tapping out. Day seven, day eight, day nine. And then on day 10, something peculiar, unusual, strange happens. Something that has, was not recorded before or since. Let's not make a movement out of a moment. Tongues of fire rested on their heads. They began to speak in other tongues and they were forever changed. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. I love that. Suddenly the sound of a blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting goes on to say, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, get this, were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And when they received the Holy Spirit, they received a supernatural power. I I thank God for the gift of tongues. I lean towards the notion that the initial evidence of being baptised in the Holy Spirit is with the ability and beautiful gift of speaking in tongues. But I also know it's not the be all and the end all because Jesus said you can speak in tongues and still end up going to hell. So let's not make more of Scripture than we ought. Let's not make more of it than we ought. Let's keep it that we're hungry for God. Am I in a room this morning? Those watching online, are we hungry for the things of God? Let's put aside our preconceived ideas. Let's put aside our hurts and preferences just for a moment and seek God and hunger after Him today. Because this is what I know. God promised a gift and that gift came and they forever changed their life. Yes, there was this incredible ability to speak in tongues. Yes, there was this uh, moment that has not happened before where uh, tongues of fire rested on their head. But what I love about this, they didn't sit in the church. They didn't stay in the upper room and just have church and say, well, let's do that fire thing again. They didn't make a moment a movement. But the purpose of the infinite of the Holy Spirit is that they would have power to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, not to play church, not to play religious games, but it's to be Christ in the world today. To bring a little bit of Jesus to earth is to bring heaven to earth. And the disciples, 
flung open the doors, went downstairs and started doing something they'd never done before with this newfound power and this newfound purpose. They began to find a power to witness. Remember, they were locked away for fear and now they're just spooking that Jesus is the way. And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, actually speaks into the religious people's lives and said, this Jesus whom you crucified, I mean, that is picking a fight. And Peter says, so be it, bring it on. This is a newfound confidence. This is a newfound power. This is a newfound way of doing life. And 3,000 people were added to the church. A few chapters later in chapter three of the book of Acts, we see that Peter and John were going to the temple to pray as was their custom. And they saw this man at the gate, gate beautiful, And he said, can I have some money, please? And Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold we do not have, but what I give, I give in the Name of the Lord. Get up and walk. And this man had been sitting at the gate for years. Here's a thought for you, for years, which means Jesus walked past him again and again and again and again and never healed him. But Peter and John at just the right time prayed for this man. Strength returned to his legs and he went with them into the temple, leaping and jumping and praising God. And the religious leaders called Peter and John and the disciples decided, said, what is this? And this is Peter's response. He says, in Acts chapter three, verse 12, he said, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? Peter knew that this was beyond his ability. Peter knew that this was beyond his intellect, that it was beyond his wisdom. This was a supernatural power at work within him. Again, they ask the question, what power are you full of this morning? Peter was filled with the Spirit of God. And his life was forever changed. He was ruined for normal living. He was ruined for normal living. They took him aside, they chastised him. They said, promise us you will not do this again. It's like, I can't promise you that. We've got to obey God rather than men. And Peter got himself into trouble again and again and again with the religious people. And they were whipped, they were beaten, they were imprisoned to try to keep them quiet, but they could not be quiet about what they'd seen, heard, tasted and touched. And they had a new power to handle every one of those disappointments, every one of those hurts, every one of those fears, every one of those doubts. When I think about some people who just give up on their faith so easily and yet we haven't been whipped, beaten or imprisoned. Peter and the early church found a a resolution and a strength that was beyond their natural ability to endure. But let's be honest, this can be tiring. This can be taxing on your spirit, your soul, your body and your mind. I've never been lacerated with a whip 40 times, but that's gotta be taxing on your body. That's gotta be wearing on your body. Emotionally draining, spiritually fatigued and you're sitting in a prison And you must have said, what have I done wrong? What's going on? 
Where's the prosperity in this? And yet this is what our early church was founded on. This kind of resolution, this kind of resolve. But what I do know is any moment, any occasion that we have, as good as it may be, we need a fresh touch. And the early church were no exception. They had this incredible moment in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit. But then we read of the very same group of people being filled again. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God boldly. Hang on a minute. Isn't this the same group of people who were already filled? Why did they need to be refilled? Why do the people who have once been filled need to be filled again? That's a very good question. Let's stop there and ask ourselves a question. Why is it that someone who is filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues, with the, the, the tongues of fire resting on their heads. I mean, that, 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 you'd think that would sustain you for the rest of your life. But here they are in desperate need again for a fresh touch from heaven. Why do filled people need to be refilled? Because we get used. Because we leak. Because we get to the end of ourselves again. You see, whatever you're full of today, you can be low on tomorrow. As good as your experience was, we can get low again. You know, when you run out of food, you know, you go shopping and your food and your cupboards are full. But when you've got a young, growing family, it gets low and empty pretty quick. Are there any mums out there who feel like all you do is shop for your teenage kids? I mean, it's just like it, the, the, the <laughs> Katie's here, yeah. Eli Roberts. I mean, he's just... He's like a machine when it comes to devouring food. And it's like you've got your, your, your cupboards are stacked and now they're low again and you go shopping again. Alternatively, you just throw your kids away. <laughs> That's what we tend to do with our faith and we just throw it away. We got low, so we just throw it away. No one would throw their children away. No, you just go and restock the cupboard. You fill it again. It was once filled, now it needs to be filled again. The same is true when we drive our car. You fill it with petrol. But when you use it for a number of kilometres, say 450, 500, 600, if you've got a little car, you may get closer to 800 kilometres if you do some uh, country driving or whatever the case may be. But eventually, no matter how good your fuel economy is, eventually you're going to need to fill your car again. Alternatively, you just throw it away. But no one's going to throw away a car just because they got low on fuel. No one's going to do that. We know that a car that was once filled, once it's been used, gets empty and it needs to be filled again. Think about your phone. We use our phone all the time and during the day it gets flat. And when the battery is flat, no one just sews their phone away. No, we charge it again. We charge our phone again. And if that is true for phones food and cars, how much more you and I? Because we are far more complex than cars. Cars don't feel like we feel. Cars don't have a soul like we have a soul. If cars need refilling, how much more you and I? Phones are pretty, I mean, we call them smartphones, but they're not that smart. They don't feel, they don't taste, they, they, don't, they don't experience what you and I do. If phones need recharging, how much more you and I need recharging? If, if, our, if our food, if our cupboards get emptied, how much more do you and I 
get empty. See, this is what I know about ministry. Ministry is both awesome and exhausting. Let me be even more real. It's both awesome and awful. Ministry is both. So I want ministry. Yeah, you want, the, you want the awesome side of ministry. No, but when you say yes to ministry, you get the awesome and you get the awful. They go hand in hand. Why? Because ministry always involves people. And people are both beautiful and brutal. People are brutal. People are brutal. And the early church experienced the exhilaration and the exhaustion of ministry. They were beaten, they were battered, they were bruised, they were imprisoned. But they didn't give up. Why? Because they got filled again and again. Paul actually said it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine. Now that's a word for some of you, just I'll leave that to the Lord to speak to you. It's very quiet. <laughs> the quietness tells me there's probably a few more than I thought. Anyway, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit implies being filled full. And in order for us to be filled full, we need to prioritise time with Him. We see Jesus in Mark chapter 135. He'd get up early in the morning and He'd seek the face of the Father. He'd seek that moment to get recharged and refreshed. I don't know about you, but I charge my phone overnight. Why? So when I wake up, it's fully charged. That's why I'm a great believer. Seek God early so that you can start your day fully charged. If you don't start your day fully charged with your phone, what happens? You're forever looking for a power source and you don't have the confidence to make the phone calls. You don't have the confidence to use the phone the way you want to because you don't know if it's gonna die. And I think a lot of Christians live their life like that. We're forever chasing, we're forever chasing for the next little charge, little charge, little charge. Instead of saying, I'm just gonna sit. I'm gonna get fully charged. And invariably at the end of the day, my phone gets near empty again and we charge it again. We need to be charged and filled and fueled every day. These disciplines of reading your Bible and praying, it's not because you have to do that because you're a Christian. It's we have to do that to fulfil our purpose. We need Him more and more and more. You know, if your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. I'll say that again. If your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. A life powered by the Holy Spirit is the life that I seek. Not to fly a flag of a particular belief system. Not to say I'm of this group or I'm of that group. But I just need the Holy Spirit. Whatever label people wanna give to me, that's up to them. I don't want the label, I want Him. I've got four things that the Holy Spirit wants to do for you and I'm gonna quickly rush through them for the sake of time. But I wanna inspire you to wholesome thinking and desire more of God with you today. And the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is strengthen you. When you're weak, when you're tired, when you're weary. Ephesians chapter three, verse 16 says this, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. 
That's where the riches are. It's the power we receive on the inside of us to be able to cope with all the things that we face. He wants to add the super to our natural. We have limits in our natural ability, but God takes us beyond our limits when He adds His super to our natural. He wants to give us strength. Why? To overcome addictions. To resist temptation. To break bad habits. And can I just say, a bad habit for you may not be a bad habit for someone else. We're not here to compare. We're here to hear God. If there's something that's destroying your finances, if there's something that's destroying your marriage, God wants to give you strength to overcome that thing. See, some things God delivers us from. Other things He takes us through. And if you only have a deliverance mentality, you're gonna miss out on so much of what God wants to do in your life. Because sometimes, and I've seen this, some people just, the desire to smoke is taken off them. And others have to work really hard and find strength in God to break that habit in their life. Do I think smoking is a sin? Well, you know what? For me, that's not the issue. We used to say back in the day, if you do smoking, well, you're probably gonna get to heaven sooner than if you don't, but that's fine. But uh, for me, I'm not here to put a scale on the sin. I'm talking about what you feel in God is a hindrance to your future. And God wants to help you to deal with that thing in your life. He wants to break bad habits. He wants us to stop giving up. You know, when you feel like giving up and giving in, He wants to strengthen you in that moment. He wants to keep you going through tough situations. You know, because of the way we do church uh, and because of how we go about doing things, And because we're not prone to having people come down the front and praying for them as often as other churches and because people don't fall over to the degree that other churches have people fall over, you know, people people have labelled our church all kinds of things and one of them is that the Holy Spirit's not here or we're not a Holy Spirit church, which I find amusing because I know me. I know me. If I look at my life, to be able to do 27 years of ministry in the same church, knowing how impulsive and impatient I am. To say there's no Holy Spirit, to think that I'm that good, I I take it as a compliment. Do you you think that I'm that good that I can do this on my own strength? Wow. But I'm here to tell you, I am not that good. I thank God for the Holy Spirit at work in my life over these last 27 and more years in holding me when I feel like giving up, holding me when I feel like giving in, dealing with criticism and negative uh, things, I thank God. I thank God. And not only that, not only the ability to endure, but the ability not to leak and have to enlist people. And did you hear? I thank God that the early church, you just see them just getting on with it. Lots of accusations were coming out of the way. You don't see them justifying too much. You just see them getting on with the work that God had called them to do. And I thank God for that. For me personally, the Holy Spirit is such a vital part of my life. I'm so grateful for the person of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. Let not an expression fool you. I have some friends in many different denominations and some are far more conservative than ours, but they are men and women of God. Yeah. Some people don't sing the, the songs that we sing. Some people, they don't have the uh, lights and the smoke that we have, but I've been in their meetings and they have a touch of God on them. I see the way they lead their families. I see the way they lead their lives. I know some of the pains that they're facing and they don't give up and they don't give in. Oh my goodness me, that's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in someone. So let's not limit the Holy Spirit to an experience. He can be in all of that. 
but he can also not be in all of it. Secondly, he not only wants to strengthen us, he wants to comfort us. John chapter 16, uh, sorry, 14 verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counsellor, a strengthener, a standby to be with you forever. He's the God of comfort, but he's not always the God of the comfortable. And if our prayer is always, get me out of this, make me comfortable, again, we're gonna feel like God doesn't answer a lot of our prayers because he's not gonna answer that prayer. But if we pray, God, comfort me in this season, you'll find that God always answers your prayer. Again, sometimes He will deliver you from situations. He'll deliver you from seasons. You'll be in an awful, awkward situation. He'll deliver you and you're like, wow, He delivered me out of that uncomfortable situation. Other times, He just takes you through it. This I know, He's a God who offers comfort for you. Number three is the band come up. He leads us. This is such a beautiful passage of Scripture and I wanna use the message translation because it just says it so beautifully. John chapter 16, verse 12 says, I still have many things I want to tell you. Imagine Jesus is about to go to be the Father. There's so many things I want to tell you, but you can't handle them right now. If you ever said, God, I want to know the will of God for my life. You know what? The truth is, if God spoke to you about your whole life, you wouldn't be able to handle it and nor would I and nor would the early church. And so Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you everything, but when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he'll take you by the hand and he'll guide you into all truth. See, the Holy Spirit wants to take you and I by the hand. But He wants to take us by the hand, not so that we might lead Him into places, but He might lead us into places. He wants to lead us into truth. He doesn't force us. He doesn't make us. He leads us one step at a time. And my my word of encouragement to us as a church this morning is this, be obedient to your next step. Because when you're obedient to your next step, you'll get your next step. Kath mentioned in the notices that if you're new to Jesus or you're new to this church, get along to starting point. That's your next step. You wanna know more about Jesus? You wanna know more about church? You wanna know how you get involved? Go to starting point. That's your next step. Just be obedient with that. If you've never, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've never been water baptised, I would say maybe, maybe that's your next step. Maybe this teaching today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit. Maybe your next step is to step out and seek the Holy Spirit like you've never sought Him before and experience a wonderful, beautiful, amazing baptism in the Holy Spirit. He leads us. And lastly, He grows us. He grows us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's humility. And it's self-control. For me, the evidence of the Holy Spirit is seen more in its fruit. There's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nine gifts and there's nine fruits of the Spirit. Gifts are given, but fruit is grown. God loves us. He gives out gifts. And when He gives you a gift, He doesn't take it back. He's not an Indian giver. He's not like us. He gives you a gift of prophecy. You can backslide. You can never go to church and you'll still have that gift on your life. He's so wonderful, so caring, He's so kind. He just gives us gifts. A gifts are given, but fruit is grown. And God wants us to grow and bear His image here on planet Earth. Jesus said this, He said, when He was asked, show us the Father, He said, are you kidding me? You want me to show you the Father? Have you not seen me? 
Well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the exact representation of the Father in heaven. That was His role, to represent the Father. All those people that saw Jesus, wow, that's what God is like. You know, the role of the church is to show the world what Jesus is like. Our role is to show the world what Jesus is like. That's our role. That's our mandate. It's like to show your school, your university, your workplace, the shopping malls, the people on the roads. We're here to show them what Jesus looks like. And Jesus was full of love, patience, kindness, humility. He humbled Himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Self-control, oh my goodness me, there was no one more self-controlled than Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to grow us in all of these areas. And some of us have personalities that make it easier to abide by one particular area than others. But He's gonna take those areas that we struggle and say, I wanna help you in this area. For me, it's always patience. And I thank God as an impatient man, by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit taking me by the hand. I have a track record of 27 years in the same church. In fact, I've never, led, I've never left the church. We got planted out of the only other church I've been involved in. For an impatient person, that's amazing. For a person who feels deeply and is highly emotional. I mean, when, if, I'm at the, if I'm watching sport, I'm there, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And, and this, is, this, is, this goes against my natural personality. The Holy Spirit wants to help you go against what your natural personality is to help you in that area. As opposed to saying, oh, well, I'm just like that. Yeah, I know you're like that. That's why you need help. So you're not always like that that those things don't get the better of you. Now, I'll always be that guy that can be tempered with the fruit of His Spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 